Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome a good friend of mine, Mahesh. So Mahesh is the first male guest on my show, which is very exciting because of course, as we know, the feminine, the divine feminine is not limited to those who identify as female or women. It's an energy, it's an expression, it's an understanding, it's a way of being, and anybody can embody these traits. And Mahesh absolutely embodies these with the work that he is doing. Mahesh is the founder and the CEO of Heal, Immersive Sound Meditation Pods. He is a yoga and meditation teacher and the co-creator and host of the Meditation Demystified Conference. Mahesh has truly dedicated himself to bringing meditation to individuals and allowing people to see that it's not anything complex and not anything fancy. That meditation at its essence is accessible to everyone and can lead to greater peace and greater clarity. He experiences his own deep transformative awakening a few years back, which inspired him to create the Heal Meditation Pod, which he now places in drug and alcohol rehab centers and is bringing it to a greater audience as well. Mahesh gives us some amazing tips about how to meditate, the chakra system, non-duality, and sound healing. I'm so excited to have him on the show. Mahesh really offers us some great wisdom and knowledge about meditation, a greater understanding. It was a lot of fun to sit down and talk with him. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Mahesh, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hello, Whitney. It's been a while. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. It's so nice to have you as a guest. And I will say you are my first, you're my first male guest on the show, which is very exciting. I'm honored to be on your show and be a part of this. Cool. So Mahesh, we met about a year and a half ago. We met right when quarantine hit on Zoom. We were supposed to meet in person, but we had to switch it to Zoom because it was right on the cutoff. It was like May 15th. Wow, that's right. It's been a year and a half. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, and we met through Wellness Retreat Recovery Center. So we were both working with that center, which is a drug and alcohol rehab center in San Jose. I was working as their clinical manager of their drug and alcohol IOP, and you were working with them on a project that is now your business, and you're the founder and CEO of, which is the Heal Immersive Sound Meditation Pod. That's right. Right about when quarantine hit was when we were starting to go really strong and the clients over at Wellness were essentially getting a lot of value. We started noticing all of that was when it hit. And we connected as a way of figuring out how we can be more integrative with meditation inside of wellness. Yeah, which is a really fantastic concept and something that we, you know, definitely consistently trying to be integrated through the work of, of therapy and, you know, not just talk therapy or other modalities, but through people working at home, doing mindfulness and meditation and other ways to really connect and ground and heal. Yeah. When you really think about it, or when I really think about it, you know, when I was in wellness retreat at that time, in general with addiction, as I saw it, there was a lot of impetus on, you know, medication and therapy and less on the actual preventative methods, if you will, like meditation and yoga. But wellness was really ahead of its times. They were really wanting to integrate all of this stuff. So in reaching out from there or branching out from there to other places, other recovery centers, and even getting into counties and understanding how wellness happens there, right? Meditation has always been my focal point in working 
with these people in working with these organizations to try to see how we can integrate this, not as a thought, but as a complete practice, starting from day one, as soon as they get in for therapy or as soon as they get in for recovery. And yeah. that's when we met and you were helping us, helping heal in that aspect. And it was amazing. Yeah, I was helping with some of the, the technical jargon for the, the clinical piece of it, for doing your manual. Yeah, it was more the curriculum. You were helping us build the curriculum and figuring out what kind of questions we had to put in our journals and so on. So it was great. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I was so excited because your product is so cool. So it's all about meditation and you are a meditation as well as a yoga teacher. So those are aspects of your personal and professional life that you offer. But the Heal Pod is, is it's an actual product. It's an actual hardware. So can you tell us about it and how you came to create this? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, end of 2018, I was a little unwell towards the end of the year. And I was home. It was right around Christmas. And I had a Kundalini yoga teacher friend of mine who lives in a place called Point Arena. He had 80 acres of land that he just stayed on and managed and maintained. And he invited me over to his place and I couldn't make it because I was unwell. However, two or three days later, I felt a little better right before New Year's and I decided to make a trip up there. It was so beautiful. The skies were clear. Everything was so perfect. And I remember falling sick again but this time it was almost in meditation. We were we started meditation at about eight or nine in the morning, and it was supposed to be an hour or two hours. And I just stayed. I just stayed. I have no idea what came into me or why I was called in to continue to meditate. And in that space. I got a lot of thoughts and they were more coming from a place that I had never explored before. There were sounds, there was the color orange, there was also bells and gongs and such. And while I had a little bit of a practice in sound healing, I really hadn't experienced anything like that before. And the sounds were so clear, almost like it was being played all around me. And it was in that sort of state where I didn't really take away much other than, okay, this is an experience and this was meditation. It was really long. And then as I came out of that, and I went back into the house. I still was in a state of trance. And in talking to my fellow Kundalini teachers who were around, well, I'm a Advaita Vedanta teacher, but... The other people were Kundalini yoga teachers. And in talking to them, I recognized that there was something of a Kundalini awakening that I might have gone through. I still don't know, or I still don't like to label it. I just call it what it was. And as soon as I came out of that, I went into Home Depot and I picked up a bunch of wood. I picked up a bunch of cloth with the colors that came to me. And I created a bunch of sounds that I didn't know where I um, managed the creative energy for and called some of my friends and I said, well, what do you think of this little space? So essentially all it was was a box with speakers and a sound system and some tracks that I had created that were really aligned to what my practice is, which is meditation. So I combined the idea of bringing sound healing in the traditional way, like you would do in a sound bath, with the practice of meditation, which is more in silence together to this form that I didn't recognize, I hadn't seen before, I hadn't experienced before myself personally. Maybe you did this with, with headphones or with some apps, if you've tried that. But the immersiveness of the sounds and the distraction-free environment that you create because you're in a space that is more sacred to you, you're in a space that is 
where you're isolated but still with the sounds is really what people resonated with. And it was, I think, a month after I built the first pod, I, I had called Wellness Center and asked them if they were interested in trying this out. And they were absolutely elated. They really wanted to check it out. They did, we did the demo with a canopy, essentially, and just a bunch of speakers hanging. And they loved it. And it was from then on that I came to recognize and understand the recovery space. And I myself had a lot of trouble with my emotional past as well as my bouts with alcohol and such. And essentially, right after that, I don't know what came through me, but I was done with alcohol. I was done with that life. I really was completely immersed, not in a way to quit alcohol, not in an active way to say, I don't want to lead this life, but that's what came through me. And since then, I've been sober. And since then, I've been leading this life of really bringing meditation, bringing access to your inner wisdom out to surface and helping others do the same. Incredible. And what guided you to reach out to wellness specifically? And I'm curious about your your draw to recovery centers in general, but also, you know, it's kind of a, a, a lucky turn because our, our mutual friend who's the was the director of wellness really gravitated towards your work. She really wanted to help you grow and really saw the value in it. She, it was like she really kind of saw it and supported you in your first sort of steps. So what what encouraged you to reach out to a recovery center and that one in particular? For one, I didn't really see this as something that was going to be a nice to have. I really was looking at this as a modality and a way of helping people inculcate meditation to be a part of their daily practice. And this is something I'm very passionate about as far as building consistency into your meditation practice. You know, how do you overcome those initial barriers of, you know, I don't have time or I don't have the necessary tools or there's always something that's distracting me and such. So really thinking about all of that, I had narrowed down recovery centers as being places where people will benefit from the most. And in that, I just literally picked up the phone book or, well, no phone books anymore, but I went online and started calling people. And the first recovery center I called, because I'm in San Jose, and I started looking away from where I am, was this recovery center a few miles away from me. The first recovery center I called was the first client and the first customer we had. So beginner's luck, whatever that is, you want to call it, it's what it was. And she answered the phone, the director answered the phone. We had an amazing conversation about meditation in general, but also about what it is we do. And she has since and always will be our biggest supporter from day one. Yeah, that, that is a very lucky first step. It can sometimes take a long time, but you <laughs> really came into that right away. And that's where I was working at the time. So that's how we were able to meet. And I got to find out all about what you were doing and was super excited about it. And it's grown a lot in the past year and a half. You've evolved the model, the actual hardware, and you've reached out to a lot of places. You have a whole team of people now that are working on this. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that started us off at that time was really finding out if this is effective. That was really the question mm -hmm. that needed to be answered. And in you and me also working together, we were able to build that curriculum that started helping build the effectiveness. So we looked at this more than just a tool. We said, you know, there's one thing to give people an app and say, well, here's an app. It's got millions of meditations in it. You know, good luck working with it. But there's this other aspect of it, which is how do you really help people come into practicing this daily? Because unlike, you know, working out or going for a run where you might see physical benefits, right? Or eating well, you might see physical benefits. With meditation, it's not such a linear scale. It's not when, you know, you start today and six months from now, you'll know you'll be at a certain place, right? You know, you can have a great time meditating today and 25 years later, you're back to where you started. So because there isn't really an internal 
gauge that when you start off, that is easy to look at and say, okay, I know where I am and I know where to be. That's why it is meditation in general is, is a little difficult to handle and people, people find it you know, intimidating in some ways. And rather than just saying, here's a tool, here's an app, we said, well, what about the curriculum? What about the aspects of building habits? You know, there's a book that I was very drawn towards, which is called Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he clearly lays out a, a, a certain few set of things that anybody could do for building any habit or getting out of any bad habit if you want to, right? And one of them was this idea that, you know, habit stacking trying to build habits on top of habits you already have, good habits you already have, or things that you do consistently. Like waking up first thing in the morning, you know, that's a habit you do every day, and then starting meditation right after that, or right after brushing your teeth or having lunch or whatever that is. And we worked on that, right? We had put together a set of questions, journal prompts, if you will, to help people understand how it is they can see progress and how it is they can build on top of that progress in order to build that consistency. So then they start noticing, they start building their own tool set within themselves that says, that's where I was six months ago, and this is where I am right now. And it's that aspect of meditation that I've really integrated into HEAL, and that's the reason why we're able to get this out there to other recovery centers. And essentially be what we are today. Fantastic. And you brought us back to when you sort of had your epiphany, your awakening, your channeling about creating the heel pod. But I'd like you to take us a little further back because in your past life, you worked in tech, you're an engineer. Were you still meditating? Were you a meditation teacher back then? Were you a yoga teacher? Were you still inclined towards the spiritual, towards awakenings? Or was there a time where this really wasn't a part of your life? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, I grew up in India, and my grandparents were priests, and they were in temples all the time. My parents were religious, but not really. We didn't really grow up religious as kids. In fact, the irony is, I went to being Hindu. I went to Catholic school, and studied Catholicism and all of loving for Jesus and Krishna and all the other facets of uh, the Indian gods and goddesses and learning about uh, Jainism and uh, other aspects of religion from just friends and people around us, right? We celebrated all kinds of festivals, whether it was Christmas or whether it was Diwali or any of that and everything in between. Uh, But I really never fully immersed myself into any of the spiritual practices or religious practices until I was a lot older. And the time when I really understood or came into realization that, you know, something needs to change was when I was starting to question or trying to fully understand what is the meaning of family? What does a family really mean? And this came through you know, my personal divorce that I went through and coming out of it, I really wanted to understand what that really meant to me, not what other people were telling me, what it was. And in 2004, I remember I went on a pilgrimage of sorts to India with my family and my parents and everybody else. And uh, there's a place in the south of India called the Vivekananda Rock. And this is a place where the Indian Ocean, the Bay of Bengal, and the Arabian Sea come together. And I remember sitting there, and that was my first meditation experience where I didn't know what was happening. And it's really because of the powers of the water, and we're 70% water, there was some churning that was going on, physical churning that was going on within my body. And I sat there for a few minutes, and I tried since then to replicate that and it never came to me until about 2018 when I went through my transformation. So in between then, you know, I practiced yoga regularly. I was always shy going to a yoga studio. So I would just have uh, YouTube videos that I watched and I learned yoga from there. And I had a few friends of mine who were teachers, so they would help me out as needed. But I never really got into it until probably late 2008-ish. That's when I started getting consistent. But even then, until 2018 and after, 
Um, I really look at the way my practice has evolved in the sense of why I do it or what this means to me, or in some cases, what is it that I'm really shedding? And in that shedding, I'm gaining out of it. And really that journey of when I started not knowing what it is I'm doing or why it is I'm meditating or doing yoga and just being an engineer, working in Silicon Valley, high stress all the time on, there was never an off switch in terms of what I was doing to sort of taking that culture out of me in a way and saying, you know, I really don't need to do that. I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of what it is that I'm building and transforming even sometimes the way I look at with my team is the way that we are building, the way that we are co-creating in the sense of uh, not defining roles the way that it's traditionally defined, but in terms of interests and in terms of what value we can bring to our end clients and end customers. That's really what I'm taking. So I took my education with tech and mixed that or brought it together with my love for meditation and helping people in recognizing that we have the power to heal within ourselves. Beautiful. And such an amazing asset because, you know, it's so valuable to be able to mix the means with the method. You know, meditation is so simple. You don't need anything, but yet it, when you have an understanding of technology, when you can, you know, use that to its advantage and, and mix that with something so simple as the methodology of, as, of meditation, you can create a higher level experience for people. Because, you know, I'd love to talk more about how you teach people to meditate. You're a meditation teacher, but yet the number one question when people try to start meditating is, Am I, I don't think I'm doing it right. I, I can't meditate. You know, I hear that all the time as a therapist. Well, I, I try meditation, but I can't do it. I just keep thinking. And I think that's a misconception is that when you meditate that you don't think. But just again, as before, you know, when you can mix something like technology, it offers people a conducive environment, a space to be in, which is what the pod does, so that it's it feels like they can be a, be within something that leads them to, they could do it themselves, right? But but it creates the immersive experience where it kind of allows you to sort of soften and fall into that space that maybe on your, on your own, it, it's too distracting when you're in your normal environment and with your normal distractions. No, and you said it really well. It's so simple, right? It's such a simple practice to just sit and spend a few moments with yourself, yet it's so elusive. <laughs> it yeah. seems everybody that I know who practices or has tried it always speaks of that initial bump, that hurdle, that mountain they need to climb in order to figure out whether they're doing things right or wrong, or even how you can even start. And Given all the tools that already exist over there, I mean, there's such a paradox of choice in the sense, you know, I always compare this with Netflix is I can't remember how many times I've just wanted to watch something and spend 45 minutes searching for something and then finally saying, you know what, I'm tired. It's not <laughs> happening today <laughs> to the point where I can't even watch Netflix anymore. It's the same thing with all the tools that we have at our disposal. There are so many different ways to meditate. What is the right way? And we can get into that in a moment. Other tool that, you know, people can use and put in their homes or put in their offices or put in recovery centers that doesn't really get used. And part of that reason of why we built that curriculum or why we're integrating journaling and journal prompting, as well as building the inner tool set for us to be able to not judge ourselves, but to be able to recognize transformation. You know, how does, how do I feel today versus how did I feel six months ago? You know, how do you measure that? It's not easy to do. And through meditation, there's some things that we teach through the journaling, through the prompting, that you can actually go back and almost like a time reel 
look at what it is you did back then, look at it and be like, wow, that's where I was and that's where I am now. And in working with students, I recognize that that's how they want to see change. Not necessarily to say I'm a better person or not, but to be able to even recognize that they are aware of what is going on in their day-to-day lives and taking those few moments. So that's how I look at meditation is not necessarily anything, you know, I always get this question of, you know, what can I get from meditation? And the age old answer is there's nothing to get, but a lot to shed. And in that shedding, what we're really doing is coming into our own, you know, even sometimes when we're stressed or we're anxious and we believe that meditation can help, all you really need is a few moments, a few moments in silence with yourself in just coming to your breath. And let's try this. Let's take a moment and let's do a quick meditation practice. Yes, I would love that for the whole audience to be able to experience a brief meditation with you. Let's start by sitting the way you are in whatever way you are. Of course, if you're driving, you might not want to close your eyes or meditating at this time. But if you're sitting in a home or your work, softly close your eyes. and bring awareness to your breath. Simply noticing the physical sensations of breath on your body. Noticing your inhales and your exhales. Noticing the quality of your breath, the texture of the air that enters and leaves your nostrils. And if it's easy, say to yourself in silence, I am here, I am present. I am here, I am present. And when you're ready, take a couple of deep breaths in. and allow your eyes to open. Thank you. And that's all it takes. Those few moments, this idea that we need to go to meditation class and meditate for an hour. Our only barriers we are creating to the consistency in our practice, we need the integration into our daily lives that we need. So anytime you have a few moments, a break between meetings in your schedule, do the simple practice. Simple. I think it's a barrier to a lot of people because they think that there has to be a certain amount of time devoted to meditation. There has to be a very specific practice. Yet, you know, as you mentioned, the essence of meditation is truly just connecting and then shedding your your release. And by shedding, I, I, I think of you're shedding your ideas about yourself that you hold while you walk through the world, your roles, your titles, all those things, when you allow those to 
be let go of, who are you? What are, what's your experience without those things? That's beautiful. That actually takes me to my personal practice, which is non-duality or Advaita Vedanta. And the practice of non-duality is just that, is the recognition that in a dualistic world, which is obviously visible, there's me, there's you, there's me and everything else, coming into that object-subject differentiation and coming in through meditation and experiencing the non-duality of that. A very good example or a simple example for this would be the idea that while there are different ornaments that could be a ring or a necklace or a bangle or earrings, really when you think about it, if they're all made out of gold, then in that nature, these different ornaments or the forms and shapes that these different ornaments have is our our, is our body, is our individualistic presence. But the gold is the consciousness that flows through all of us. And that's the nature of what we come into, our true nature, our consciousness, the same consciousness that runs within me, that runs within all of us. And when we start recognizing and coming into that essential nature of who we are, you know, these the answers to all of our day-to-day problems and questions slowly start surfacing. And it's the silence that we need without the mind chatter sometimes that sometimes bogs our ability to listen or ability to recognize or ability to understand cerebrally what is going on is really what blocks us. So when we come into that silence, when we come into that quiet space, even for those few moments, like you said, one of our barriers is we don't have time. That's the number one thing I hear from everybody. Oh, I don't have time or it takes a lot of effort. But this is all you need is a few moments. Start with a few moments and you'll notice time will make itself available for you. And what do you tell someone who says, chatter in their mind they can't make it go away that when they try to meditate it's just overwhelming how can they work through that that's a great question so rather than starting with the difficult part right which is quietening our mind i mean our mind is here to help us you know we think so we can help we can go beyond our imagination i mean we're sitting here but we know what's on the edge of the universe that's far out but we still know what's going on over there. We know exactly what's happening everywhere. And that's what our mind is for. Our mind is for chatter, right? So there's obviously a lot of traditions that speak of quietening the monkey mind or the chatter. But in my personal experience in practice, in the busy lives that we all have, in the meetings that we all have, and in just giving us, you know, like I say, hey, if we have 30 seconds right after a meeting and before the next one, how do I quieten all of that? So rather than doing that, rather than telling yourself, I need to quieten my mind, how about using that as a means or as a tool to help you in meditation? So integrating everything that is already going on within you, you know, letting the noise, letting all that chatter simply be there the way they are. Let them be. Don't try to change anything about how you feel. Just observe. So rather than being the object that is acting or that is sensing or that is perceiving or that is judging or what have you, which is typically what we do externally, right? We look outside, we see something, we say, wow, that's beautiful or that's not so nice. We smell something. We say that feels a certain way. How about we just become aware that we are aware. So if there's chatter in your mind, simply listen to it, bring it into awareness and say, oh, okay. So I'm thinking of something that happened 15 years ago. Oh, I'm worried about something. That's okay. So just let it be. As long as you're not processing anything, making to-do lists or doing things that are taking you away from 
that awareness that you are aware that there are thoughts, you're good. And it's when you start doing that, you will notice that through the breath awareness as a basic beginning, you can slowly notice that it'll all quieten by itself. Don't try to force it because the more you try it, the more crazier it's going to go. And then back to the question of you know people asking, how do I know if I'm doing this right? Or what do I get out of it? I think that you know, if someone's in that process and they have this chattery mind, they, they try to meditate, they close their eyes and they feel that they just spend the whole time thinking about what they have to do next and their to-do list for the day and a conversation they had with someone. And they might come out of meditation and say, was that pointless? I, I was sitting there still breathing, but I feel like I was still so caught up. Do you think that that there's still value in just taking that space to meditate? Or do you think that if someone's preoccupied that it's it did no good? Is there a middle ground? If you're preoccupied and if there's a lot going on, that is probably the best time to meditate. <laughs> and letting go of this idea that because I'm preoccupied or because there is so much going on right now, I cannot meditate is really the exact opposite of what the idea of meditation is. It's simply being as you are, showing up in the way that you want to show up. You don't need to necessarily feel like transformation has to be me becoming a yogi in a cave or me letting go of what is it that I have in my life or you know my things, my belongings, my identity, my career, none of that, right? Whatever and however it is you are, is perfect. There is no good, there is no bad. Um, and the idea that you need to spend the energy in even recognizing all of this or finding out that I don't want to, I don't want to do certain things a certain way. It's about finding out how it is that you can connect with any given practice in the way that you want to without beating yourself down on it, if that makes sense. So just stay with what works for you, what feels right for you, whether it is a teacher, whether it is you know YouTube videos or any app or anything else that works for you. Just stay consistent with it. Don't need to feel you need to spend hours trying to practice. Take only a few moments. And I think that's something anyone beginning in meditation that can be helpful is a guided meditation, or even if they don't have that, just walking themselves. I think a body scan can be a really powerful way to start because if I'm having trouble focusing, at least when I take time to do a body scan, I'm noticing things that I don't notice in my everyday life. Like, Oh, how are my hands feeling? How do my arms feel? Oh, there's my chest. It's going up and down as I breathe. And just that, even if my mind's still thinking, I'm noticing things that I don't take the time to focus on or to think about. And that in itself is a, it's altering my experience. It's, it's giving me a, a, a shift in my awareness. Absolutely. One of the ways that you're describing it, the body scan, which is also part of Vipassana meditation, is perfect because it's already where you are. It's what you recognize, what you already know, and you are connecting with the emotions and the feelings of what it is already that's already there with you. So if you have pain, you recognize pain, you're like, okay, there's pain, and you keep moving into that practice. And if you connect with that, that's perfect, right? In the world that we are in, with this with the with the access to so many different tools and technologies and methods of meditation, it's always nice to find that one practice that works for you. But even for me, there's different times where I connect with different practices, whether it's guided meditation or whether it's sound healing and just sound bowl meditation or whether it is body scan. And sometimes it's just trying to completely sit in silence and really not focus on anything other than the space that I'm occupying the awareness of the space that I'm occupying. So there's so many different ways. Um, you know, there's practices that are so old and so simple, like the one we did right now with the I'm here, I'm present. It's a body-mind connection. I'm here in my body. I'm present in my mind. 
without really looking at it and saying, am I doing this right? Am I not doing it right? The question you asked earlier on how do I know that I'm doing this right? If you're sitting down with the intention of wanting to meditate, you're doing it right. And what are the benefits of sound healing? Can you share with us what exactly it is and or a sound bath? And because I, I do want to share that I've been in the heal pod before and I've spoken with a lot of the residential clients that spent time in there. And the feedback that I'd always hear is that having that sense, the the you know, the the sound sensory around them was such a wonderful addition and, and it just really created this semblance of peace. There was something about the rhythm that was very comforting. And and that's why I think heal is so powerful for people in recovery, because they're in this state of dis-ease. You're very uncomfortable. You know, I myself have been sober for several years. And when I first got sober, your body is so out of whack and there's so much anxiety and so much tension being held in the body that you just want a little bit of flow and relaxation. And you feel that in the pod. So, and I think that you, we can attribute sound healing or the sound bath to a part of that because that's something you incorporate in the pod. So can you share about that? Sure. Yeah. So sound healing is such an age old practice. Um, in fact, even before it's been a practice, even today, the simplest way of sound healing that I can think of is music. You know, we listen to music and I'll always ask people and say, for even ones who haven't meditated, I'll say, well, if you've ever sat in your car, stuck in traffic, or whatever situation that you're in, and you've just zoned out to your favorite song, you've meditated. That is meditation. And the idea, and we can get into the technology of sound and sound healing, but the frequencies and everything is vibrations, including our bodies. You know, you go into the neutrons, protons, the quarks and such, and they're all vibrations essentially. So the healing properties of sound is really with the frequencies that they generate and the vibrations that they create, the physical vibrations that they create within our body. You know, you can get into uh, tuning fork meditation, which is higher on the vibration side. Or if you if you look at drum meditation, then it's a rhythm and vibrations and frequencies that come with it. So there's also in the uh, traditional uh, Hindu spiritual text, there's also the notion of chakras. So there's seven chakras starting from your root and they go all the way down your spine, all the way to the crown of your head. And each one of those chakras has a note and a frequency. And each of those notes and frequencies in turn have healing properties. So if you look at your root chakra, that's more about grounding, finding stability, finding centeredness in with who, with who you are. And then you start going up and you look at the heart chakra. That's about love, sharing, caring. You look at the throat chakra or the Vishuddha chakra. That's about getting in connection with your voice, both speech as well as listening into your inner voice. So there's all these different intentions that you can build around with sound, with the frequencies, with the notes. And those frequencies and notes, when... Um, the harmonics and the reflections of the sounds across the wall in the space that you're sitting in, or if you're doing this outside and you're just listening to even nature sounds, all of that has healing properties because our body is tuned into listening in and recognizing this at a deeper level than just our minds. And that's why sound is such a healing as well as such a powerful tool to use for meditation. What an amazing explanation. Thank you so much. And for going through the chakras with us. So with that explained, if, if it's about frequency and it's about attunement, you mentioned earlier about having a Kundalini awakening. And that's a term that I think a lot of people hear of, but they're not, not quite sure what it is. And I definitely associate it with, with the chakra system and with attunement. What was it? How do you see it and what was your experience of it? You know, I have a hard time in 
recognizing or associating my, I would say, transformation with a Kundalini awakening. Because um, as I understand what that means cerebrally, and the awakening is essentially, there's three nadis in your system. You know, this is nadis or channels in Sanskrit. And there's the Ilanadi, the Pingalanadi, and there's the Shashumnanadi, three, three nadis. And the idea is when all your seven chakras are fully aligned, fully, they're always activated, but when they're fully aligned, then there is the element of energy flow that happens through Shushumnanadi. And when that happens, you find clarity in that connection through all of these, whether it is clarity in terms of who you are, where you are, why you are, whatever that feels for in the moment of your awakening when you're experiencing that is what comes up to the top. So in some ways, for me, when I went through it, there was just clarity in terms of what I should be doing in my life. And I am so grateful for that experience. But the awakening itself sometimes can, sometimes can take a different... Um, it, it, it can take a it can take you to a different place that you might not want to be as well. So while it sounds like this is an amazing thing to happen, it might not always be for everybody. Some people might find that overwhelming and really not understand what you need to do. You know, there's a lot of people that I've spoken to who talk about how they still are not able to control it. Even when I went through my awakening, I really didn't understand what I was going through or why it is that I was going through. In fact, at some point, I just wanted it to all stop so I can just be back to being normal, just doing my thing and just living my life the way I lived it in complete ignorance and you know, living in, in my way of thinking what bliss was. Obviously, over time, I recognize everything happens for a reason. But, you know, there's a lot more that we can get into with the Kundalini Awakening. But in short, I'll tell you, it is um, a experience to be had and almost impossible to describe in terms of how that feels or what you go through because everybody has a different experience and goes through this differently. What I associate Kundalini awakening with, is it related to the chakra system? Is it in alignment? Because what I've heard is that it's when all your chakras are open and in alignment. And chakras are, of course, energy systems, right? In the body. And so if they're mm -hmm. all That's open, right. you're experiencing this incredible surge of energy that brings that clarity. Is it an opening to something or is something coming into us? Or is it always both? <laughs> Non-duality. Everything is, everything is within you. Yeah. Everything is within you. Well, in some ways, you are also everything. And the clarity that you talk about as far as the alignment of the chakras, yes, that happens. But the other part of the chakra system that is also important to understand is like the activation is always there. It's always, they're always active. It's really about bringing alignment to that. And there's a lot of chakra healing that you can do in making sure or in bringing alignment to that. So you usually start from from your root chakra and you work your way up all the way to your crown because that's really where the energy flow happens is upwards. So in the Kundalini awakening, when all of them are aligned and they're fully activated is when you come into these states of being that help you <laughs> in, so help you in some ways to come into realization that you are already realized. <laughs> this idea that you know we need to be enlightened or we need to be in a different place or see something different is what in my personal experience and in my practice, we believe is already here. And all we need to do is recognize. And then will we say that meditation is what allows for the space to recognize what's already here? Exactly. 
And meditation is the space or the practice in order to come into recognition. Now, here's the idea. If we practice meditation in uh, in a way that we don't really understand it initially or we're really not sure why we're doing it or we're doing it right, if we don't do that, if we don't go through that experience, even if you were to have an awakening, you probably will never know. Even if you are to have all the answers for every question that you have that comes from within, because we have so much mind chatter, we just won't be tuned into that. So meditation is a practice and always is a practice so that we can tune in to recognizing that when there is change, it is happening and it is happening now and what that means to us. Perfect. And I love that you've dedicated yourself to helping others to experience this and see this through heal. And then also you're the co-creator and the host of the meditation demystified conference that you started this past year. So you're, you're really are pretty on board with helping people see that meditation doesn't have to feel elusive to anyone that you can demystify it. You can see it differently. You can experience it instantly and utilize it. And I feel Mahesh, it's like you've seen, had this vision, you, you experienced something that you want others to know as well. And it seems like ever since then, you've been working towards that to open the way and give tools to others to see what you realized. Oh my gosh, this is fully available to me. And if it's available to me, it's avail- available to anyone. So what inspired you to start this conference? I imagine it's to sort of spread that word. And and you also brought a a wonderful, amazing panel of professionals together to speak on this as well. Yeah, you know, part of it was the change in awareness for meditation. You know, there before the pandemic started, there were still some people who were asking the question about, like, what is meditation? You know, once the pandemic hit, for whatever reason, the popularity of meditation really skyrocketed. Uh, People were really asking me about tools, people that I wouldn't think would be interested in meditation were asking me about meditation or even were trying heal and looking for um, ways because they are now isolated in integrating Um, this new life that they are experiencing. And when I was talking to a few people, I also recognized that there's just so many different modalities out there. There's so many access points, uh, whether it is free resources or paid resources, whether whether there are online retreats that are happening now and the access to this information is so free, that people are were even lost were lost even more now with the access to so much of that information that they didn't know whether this was right or wrong whether they did, they didn't know whether they could commit to a week or a month long meditation retreat session with somebody without really understanding what this was all about so in talking to a few people that i knew uh, we all face the same thing as meditation and yoga teachers. We had the same or similar kind of questions coming to us. So that's when I thought, well, how about bringing in a conference that just demystifies this idea that meditation needs to be difficult? And I know we've talked about this all along, which is how do you simplify this? But in reality, if we are to think about meditation, it is simple already. So what is it that we're demystifying? We're really demystifying all the layers that have been added on through the various techniques or modalities telling us this is how it needs to be and this is the way you need to do it or this is where and how many times you need to do it and for how long you need to do it and simplifying all of that into something that can be integrated into your daily lives and that's the main reason why we started the Demystified Meditation Conference is to bring these different modalities, bring the teachers, bring the healers in the same place so we can have an open conversation without 
calling each one of us out separately and saying, well, that might, that is not necessarily true. What works for you doesn't work for somebody else. So find that practice that you connect with was really the premise of this conference. And we continue to grow this conference. In fact, we're looking to have another one later this year. I'll keep everybody posted. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. That sounds wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for your your efforts and for the work that you do. And thanks for sharing with us about it. And there are many ways that people can find you. I know for one, we can find you on Clubhouse that you do lead a meditation. Is it every morning on Clubhouse? Yes, I've been doing it for what over six months now. Every day, 7.25 a.m. Pacific time with a mindfulness and meditation room on Clubhouse. If you want to find us there, it's free. And it's for, again, building 15 minutes of a consistent practice every day, breath awareness and visualizations. All right. And then you also lead, do you have meditation classes or yoga classes that people could check out? Yes, I do teach yoga and meditation at the Samadhi Yoga Gruha, which is in San Jose, downtown San Jose, California. Um, I teach there a few times a week. And uh, it's always nice to get back into the studio. So if you're local, come stop by. Perfect. So we'll put all that in the show notes. And then finally, I would just love to hear a little bit about, you know, where is Heal going from here? Where are you going to be? In five months from now, a year from now, where what do you how do you vision this growing and being able to reach more centers, but also just more people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we are in a tremendous growth phase right now. We're working with uh, the state of California and various counties within California to see how we can integrate into their mental health programs. We're also looking to see how we can integrate with corporate wellness. This is a big place where people are stressed out, people are overworked, and how we can bring this into offices once they slowly start opening up and finding a way that people can take a few minutes break during their busy schedule to connect with themselves as a daily practice in building consistency. And we're really excited for that. So for the next year or so, that's really where our focus is to find the pathways for making meditation easy. Well, I'm so excited for you and excited to watch what happens and see how this grows and expands for you. And I'm just so happy that you're bringing this forward. It's a a beautiful gift that you have. I'm so grateful to you for sharing it and to, for sharing your wisdom and insight with us today on this really, really important topic that so many people really do just ironically overthink all the time, even though it's a simple thing, which is meditation. And I definitely got a lot out of hearing everything you have to say today. And I know the audience will as well. So thank you. No, you're welcome. And thank you so much for all the work that you do in recovery, helping your clients. And I know I've worked with you, um, prior and just seeing the level of dedication that you have and this amazing work that you're doing in trying to get your voice and other people's voices and other people's journey out into the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. We all, we're all trying to do our part, bring this all together. Yes, we are. All connected, all connected in different ways. That's what I love about it. Your work is just like my work, but just in a different light in a different way, a different resonance. (laughs) So true. A few other places where people can find you. There's a website for Heal. There's a website for the conference and you have a Facebook. I have Facebook and I also have LinkedIn. Perfect. So we'll have those in the notes. People can seek you out. And you had mentioned to me earlier that you're also putting a a pod somewhere in San Francisco. Is it going to be accessible generally or? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we are going to be putting a pod in a in a place in downtown San Francisco called the Unreal Garden. It is an uh, AR VR experience, 
And as a part of that experience, meditation is going to be integrated with that. You can find it uh, on the Unreal Garden website, as well as if you're just walking around, it's on the corner of Van Ness on Market Street. All right. Well, that's Come awesome. By. Come by, stop by, check it out. And uh, we'd love to be, we'd love for all of you to be a part of this experience and bring heal to the world. All right. And we will, we shall. All right, Mahesh, well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It was so great to have you. Thank you, Whitney. Enjoy your day and the rest of your week. And for all your listeners, have a beautiful day and a beautiful life ahead. Thank you. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.